0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with DSD. Uh, I have a special guest here today, so I'm going to try to jump into my normal spiel real quick to get everything going. Welcome to Break the Cycle with DSD. I am your host, Dwayne. I am not a therapist nor am I an attorney, but my guest today is... I'm an individual much like you who's been through a tough experience, and I've developed some tips and techniques that I use to help me through it that I share with you to help you get through this Break the cycle of emotional abuse. Minimize your mistakes. Strengthen your relationship with your kids and basically just get your life back. Remember, only a licensed professional therapist in a clinical environment can diagnose someone with a personality disorder. So be careful throwing around medical terms because it, like I always say, it hurts your credibility. And the last thing you need, especially when you're in court, is for people to start thinking that you don't have any credibility in what you're saying they can't believe if you like what's going on here and you want to support it you can become a channel member by surfing on over to youtube.com slash dad dad surviving divorce click the join button and once you do you get special badges custom emojis your name listed in credits access to member only events and a special little section of the dsd discord that would be just for you if you want to get a text notification when the show goes live, you can text DSD Live to 844 598 0012. That's 844 598 0012, and that will get you added onto the SMS list so that uh, you get a notification right to your phone with the link for the video. Like if you were on it today, you would have got a text notification and you could have just clicked on it and it would have went right to it, and you wouldn't miss a thing except for those rare times that I forget to send it. And I am not gonna have the phone lines open because you guys know that when we have when we have special guests, it's uh, it, the hour flies by. So on that, I'm just gonna go ahead and introduce our guest today, which is Christine Gill from Grill and K Law Firm in Pasadena, California. Actually, she found or she reached out on a comment a few maybe last week or so. So we've talked a few times and I thought she had some great information that she could share with you guys and help you out. So she agreed to come on. So, Christine, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you so much. I'm sorry there's a lag.
0: Oh, yeah, technology. It always seems to start out that way. So how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well, and I'm looking forward to talking about uh, the questions you have for me today.
0: Yeah, th- I'm really glad to have you have you on. And uh, uh, just so everybody, well, I think I mentioned this, or maybe I didn't, but uh, she's also in California. So probably one of the first people who actually is like, uh, yeah, and I appreciate the fact that whenever I said, Hey, uh, we do the show at 6am, you didn't go uh, uh, in the morning. <laughs> so I appreciate that. So one of the things that we were talking about the other day, and the the topics we were going to hit, well, the first thing is I wanted to ask you, and I never really looked into this because I didn't understand it when I was going through my case nine years ago. But I wanted to ask you what exactly in, in California, what are the best factor or the best interest factors in California? So when the court is trying to determine that for child custody, what exactly are they looking at?
1: It's not simply laid out in the statutes, but it's health, safety, and welfare. What does that mean, of course? Uh, But what it does mean is that don't have your lawyer or yourself plead something like, this is best for me. Make sure when you're pleading, you're thinking about what's best for your child. And if they have health issues, if there are safety issues, or if there are happiness issues which is what the welfare means in the statute then those are the things you want to look at first.
0: Now are are all those a lot of people are I even I've even I have said this that a lot of it is subjective and nuanced I guess it is is it is it is that actually the case or are there really ways to drill down to demonstrate the situation to where, you know, like maybe joint custody or full custody is in the best interest of the child.
1: It, it's definitely a subjective test. And so it goes by proof, which is why your exhibits matter so much.
0: Now, well, want more? well, and I don't want to, yeah, well, we'll, well, I mean, we're going to dive more into that too, but I mean, I just, a follow on question to that is, I mean, how do you develop the proof and how do you document what's going on to really communicate that to the court?
1: It's important to have, if you can, to have a history. Uh, Sometimes... Uh, someone who's worked mostly outside the home, and when there's a breakup, now they want to spend more time at home. That's okay, as long as you express it. But if you do have a history of uh, when you went to the school, the parent-teacher nights, those kinds of things shows the involvement. And when you're trying to go with health, do you know who your physician is for your child? Do you? Uh, does the other side know that sort of thing? So I'm being pretty general here, but it all uh, is a matter of proof and to show that the child is every bit as um, safe and happy and healthy with you as uh, he or she is with the other party or maybe even more with you than with the other party all depending on the facts
0: yeah i know the one thing i've noticed is the let's see how do i say this the misrepresent uh, the taking things out of context right i mean it's like you you, somebody will be involved and then some you know a a toxic type person will because you didn't do it last tuesday will you never Do you know, they they talk in absolutes and they completely tie one specific incident to mean the the, to try to say the whole thing. And how do you I mean, how would you recommend somebody deal with that whenever they're they're basically being misrepresented, maybe even lied about in uh, in court documents or in court proceedings?
1: And that is very common. And it's something that needs to be fought, but not with emotion, which is hard when you're just being hit with this. So you have to end up looking at each fact and then either disproving it because it is their burden to prove that. So once you're able to disprove, then the ball back uh, bounces back to them. And they have to show that you're wrong. So the more accurate your proof is, the better you'll be at fighting that sort of thing. And we could go into some examples.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you on that, too, because it seems as though your present or like, let's say if, if I was your client, it seems like my presentation, how I, I hold myself and how I come across in court plays maybe more of a role than it should, right? So if I come in disheveled or if I come in irritated, if I come in glaring at the ex, all those little, little nuances, do those play a factor? Because it seems like from what I've seen it, they do.
1: Absolutely. If I'm sitting in court and I'm waiting for my case and there's someone up with his lawyer or without or her lawyer uh, and... The judge they're interrupting the other side, yelling, he's a liar, she's a liar, um, pounding the desk. I don't usually see that. But I do see uh, telling the judge that he or she is wrong. Oh, dear God. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, um, I'll try not to either be angry or whine, you just the court is supposed to be a place for dispassionate reasoning, which is really hard when you're being attacked. So you almost have to step outside yourself.
0: But I think let me ask you this. So if you are being attacked, and this is kind of actually it's interesting you say that because the approach I had when I finally when we ended up in our temp, our, our initial hearing, and, uh, you know, my attorney, you know, sat next to the other attorney and during the first break comes out in a panic with the, with a piece of paper. And he's like, Oh my God, they just gave me this. You know, I'm, you know, the attorney was like, Oh, did you see this? You know? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it had all kinds of horrible stuff it, it, the, and he flipped to the last page and he had it highlighted and he's like, I'm worried about this right here where it says you're suicidal and you're homicidal. And I just looked at him. I'm like, I ain't dead yet. You know, I mean, it's like I haven't killed anybody and I'm still breathing. So that's bull. And he calmed down and I just basically took it like, OK, I'm not even I mean, that's a lie. That's bull. That's I, I just completely took it that way. And uh, uh, that day, uh, let's see, we, we were at 80, 20. I was asking for 50, 50, and I think we, I, I walked out with like 35 percent or something. So it was kind of like nobody really won, but nobody really lost either but i but i think that had i responded differently or if i had kind of panicked or really freaked out that it probably would have hurt my case would you agree with that
1: i would absolutely agree and you want if you know something's coming it's better to tell your lawyer But it's also good not to have a lawyer that panics, of course. Right. Uh, But you handled it well. And, of course, that's probably why you have this show, Duane, because you uh, have that uh, certain (laughs) ability to uh, cut to it. Uh, But at any rate, if uh, surprise things happen, um, if all else fails, uh, you can ask for continuance to uh, bring proof. But usually those surprise things if they're not kept out of court for being untimely, which happens, uh, are uh, something that you are allowed because of our principle in United States, at least of due process, you're able to see that and you're able to provide counter argument to that. Uh, so you want to, and even if it's, even if it's horrible, I had a client once who, is ADHD and so was taking what for most people would be speed but it was legal for him but his great ex-wife said that he was on speed and wanted him monitored around the kids so we had to put on the testimony but you have to calm down enough so that you can be able to see through that nonsense and get to uh, the real facts so the judge can see it.
0: Yeah. One of the things I've, I've noticed is that if you can stay calm and persevere through it, and although it's completely unfair, right. I mean, like in the situation you just explained to, to have that taken out, like I was just talking about before, taken out of context, and now you have to defend yourself and now you have to spend all the extra money and to do it. I mean, that right there is enough to drive you, to put, to push you, over the edge sometimes but if you can just calm down things generally come to like rise the truth comes out right i mean i mean you just basically said that and i guess so my 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 follow-on question on that i had someone ask me this the other day is why does it seem like the the burden of proof falls on the target of these things I mean, is it just a family court thing or I mean, because everywhere else it's like, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty unless it's in family court. And then we'll just err on the side of caution and we'll limit your visitation or we'll give you supervised visits. You know, we'll do all these different things until you prove that a proven negative, basically.
1: Yeah. And you want to try to make it so it's not proving a negative, but that you're proving a positive, the alternative to whatever they're saying. It's not that the burden falls on the so-called guilty. What it is, is that they make an allegation, then you disprove that, and then the ball is back in their court. Remember, in California, we don't have juries. So essentially, you're saying all of this to the judge. And so it does go back and forth, back and forth. But if there is something that, uh, for example, if uh, if the ex is saying that uh, that you're a drug addict, to keep with that example, right? They have to actually have some proof. So you freaking out and and just sort sort of saying I didn't do it, that that isn't your proof. And should you in a in some sort of universe not have to prove that, that they should bring proof, yes. But because of our back and forth that we get to in court, if it's something that hasn't been briefed, then uh, in other words, put into your declarations with evidence, uh, then you end up with a little bit more of a free-for-all and you're feeling a little out of control. So it's usually better to attack all of that um, in advance.
0: Yeah. I had a that's a great point. Um I had a question that I wanted to bring up. It's from Winforward and it says, Could you ask what to include in a write-up to explain a relationship and involvement in your child's life? So you'd mentioned that earlier, but and that's um that's a really great question. How would you specifically do that to actually demonstrate that?
1: I uh, so when forward there are uh quite a few ways to do that. But first of all, um, is uh, Win forward in California? Or is this? a? a- uh,
0: no, mm-hmm. I don't. I think they might be in New Jersey. So I know, I, and okay. I guess that's one thing we probably should say. I mean, you practice law in the state of California. So the information you're going to give is going to be specific to you to your area. But I think there's a lot of takeaways that people could use pretty much anywhere within on the planet that would be helpful.
1: Okay, I'll keep it general then. But uh, specifically, if you're writing up a declaration, or in uh, some uh, jurisdictions, it's called an affidavit um, before the hearing. And this, if you are the filing party, it's going to be a little bit different than if you are the responding party. Uh, But you want to write your affidavit or declaration in a way that divides it by subject, not just by date, would be my uh, the way I like to write them, so that you have um, involvement with the children. And then you'll have a short paragraph and then... If in your jurisdiction you're allowed to actually attach exhibits at that stage, then I like to have the exhibit there. And so your very short declaration could end up being a two inch document with all of the exhibits attached. So what you're really doing is, and I'm getting too long, aren't I? No, trying? no,
0: no, you're fine. But I was I, just gonna, I, I was, I, well, I guess I was, since you paused, I was gonna ask a question. Like when I did mine, my attorney had said, you know, the 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 declaration needs to be less than ten pages, and uh, and I was kind of fixated on that, but I didn't think about that I could have. I mean, so ten pages, and maybe the exhibits being, you know, photographs or report or you know different things. That's fully, I mean, acceptable. I mean, that's okay.
1: Well, in this jurisdiction, but I do believe uh, because of my national context that uh, that some form of that is allowable in all jurisdictions but absolutely so if you say that you um, that the children have uh, that you've been the team dad say for a, a, a baseball or a softball oh, okay. League, Then having, and then say, see exhibits, and then maybe you have, sure, a picture or a certificate or uh, proof that uh, you've been the one taking the kids to the game or the ballet uh, troupe or the chess meet, whatever it is. Hmm. If you can get a little of that and it shows shows what you want. And yes, it's a little more work to put all of this, but it turns that little short document, your 10-pager here in California into a book, a book of the life of the children. Oh, and before we forget, Dwayne, we wanna make sure uh, that your listeners know that you're focusing this on the children, not yourself. Uh, it's, It's best interest of the child, not best interest of the parent. So every paragraph, sure, write your draft, that's fine. Write it for your lawyer, write it for yourself. But then go through every paragraph and make sure it's about your child. So switch it around. Right. Um, Susie enjoys being with me. And I know that because as opposed to it's my right as a mom or dad to have Susie 50% of the time.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm trying to remember how I, I, I mean, I don't think we necessarily got to that point. I always just said, and actually it's funny you say that because I hadn't thought about it, but my approach was the kids need both parents. I'm not saying that it needs, you know, they need to be with me a hundred percent and never see mom, but they need equal access to both parents. And that's kind of the way I approached it. Like even when we went through the, when I went through the custody evaluation, that was my, you know, my thing I would. And even when I brought up issues with them, I was just like, well, I have these areas of concern and, and, I wish I would have known more because I would have worded differently, which I think would have probably maybe helped illustrate my point better. But I was just like, well, I'm, I'm concerned about uh, the, the mom doesn't have any, you know, there's no discipline in the house. I mean, there's no structure. Uh, she tends to, well, now I understand that a lot of it is the, the, the narcissistic, the you know, those type of issues that normally come with somebody who, who potentially could have a personality disorder because mine was never diagnosed with anything. But, I mean, the the thing of being more friends with the kids and not a parental figure and all those kind of things. And and ultimately, I mean, none of it was really I, – I guess it wasn't necessarily listened to. I mean, what came out of it was a 50-50 recommendation. So well, I was just blathering on there. But I was just – you said that, and I just started, like, reminiscing and, and kind of reprocessing that. so
1: Well, absolutely. and And the hard part about this is you're not just – Talking about a million dollar building you're selling, you're talking about your kids. I'm teasing there. But family law, sometimes people say, oh, we're only arguing about families. But families to us are more important than the the million dollar deal. Oh, the
0: million dollar deal would be easier because it's not, you know, at the the end of the day, if you lose the deal, you go home, you go home to your family, you go home to your kids, you take little Johnny or Susie to, you know, to a movie. Well, back in the old days when we could do that. But but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I think is so tough about this is it's like, it's your entire life. It's everything that you've built for your entire life. And it's now somebody else on the bench is de- is uh, going to decide it. And it's super scary. It's, it's and terrifying. If,
1: and if you can't settle, then it is uh, for the bench officer. That is your audience. And He or she may not ever have had kids. They may not know anything about uh, family law, or they may be the wisest person on the planet. But I would say that if I uh, were helping Dwayne in the past, if you're asking for 50-50, but you're slamming the other side, you're actually, and a lot of people do that, Yeah. um, but you're actually the judge who sees, you know, a hundred of these a week is saying, well, he's not saying anything that makes me want to take the kids away from mom. So why is he so focused on slamming her? Of course, anybody who's listened to your show knows that there were a lot of other issues going on there. Yeah. Uh, But, but in an average uh, case where it's not quite so toxic um doing a lot of uh, spouse or other parent bashing, if what you really want is to prove that both are equally capable of being 50% parents, is sometimes um, a little bit of a waste when there's so much more that can be expressed about why the kids love it so much at your house, for example.
0: Oh, I see. Um, you're, you're actually wasting your time, right? I mean, you're taking that limited time you have to make your point and you're focusing it on the negative where you could use it more effectively just to demonstrate to the court that, hey, this guy's, like in my situation, this guy's okay.
1: Yeah, it, it depends. Now, if you really have someone that should not be making medical decisions, for example, right. then you want to show why. Um, but, but to do that in a case where you're just proving that, and I don't I hate it when we go here, but anyway, that you're just as good a parent as the other one that has had more custody um, then you want you want to show why the kids should be with uh, with you uh the fifty percent of the time. and sometimes your um, custody schedule works against you, so it's harder when you're an eighty-twenty uh, dad or mom uh, to have more examples. So then, yeah. sometimes you need. Uh, so you need a witness declaration. Sometimes uh, you need uh, statements from. Uh, if your jurisdiction allows you to get statements from teachers um, in LA County, where I am, uh, the teachers have lawyered up pretty well, and <laughs> you, don't, you don't get too many statements out of them. But if you do, but say a coach or um, the ballet instructor, whatever, who knows you. So it, it, it pays to get involved with the kids since you want to be involved with the kids and then be able to prove it.
0: Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I absolutely agree. And I would tell anybody, if you think things are going south, you need to engage yourselves in your kids' lives immediately. But take my situation where I was doing the stereotypical uh, working dad, mom was stay at home mom. And, you know, she took the kids to the doctor for the most part. I mean, I did every once in a while, but it was more like she would get angry and, you know, you need to do it. And I, All right. I'd take the day off from work, you know, while she sat at home and take the kids to the school and or to the doctor and then get yelled at if I did anything fun with them. That was fun. Um, anyways, I digress. But what happens, my point is, So you get into the situation, boom, you get blindsided, you're out of the house and now you're going, oh crap, I've completely set myself up. How do you undo that? I mean, if you're the 80, 20 person and you're going, oh no, I now, I mean, if my whole life's been blown up, you know, and I used to actually get to see my kids, you know, at least when I came home from work and on the weekends and stuff. And now I don't, um, how do you fight that? I mean, if you weren't involved.
1: I usually say to people that they should front the parts of their cases that uh, they see as negatives, because if you can explain that in the past you had um, most, that you were working full time and that mom was home, I'm using your example. It yeah. can also be reverse gender, of course. Right. Um, but uh, but that now you have rearranged your life. So, so for example, I think you said you had a uh, 225, what I call a 225 custody arrangement, where you had maybe yeah. Monday, Tuesday, she had Wednesday, Thursday, and then you traded off every other weekend. So you ended up with five in a row every other weekend. Yep. Yeah,
0: I w- and I right. was the Wednesday, Thursday, she was the Monday, Tuesday. But yeah, I had that.
1: One reason that's so good for people who have had uh, less time in the past is because you can say, I have now rearranged my work schedule so that I have more time on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I want to specifically take my daughter to, you know, guess pick one and I want to take my son to uh, pick the other. And I will be going on the weekends to the, Uh, tournaments or whatever uh, even on my non weekends and so I'm very eager to be able to do that whereas I wasn't doing that before and oh by the way and this is for child support I'm no longer working 80 hours a week because I want time with my children so therefore I'm making less and I can prove it but that gets to another uh,
0: topic. Actually, the fact you brought that up—I mean, I was trying to figure out how because that technically wasn't the topic we were going to talk about—but does that actually work? Because I hear so many people who get wages Im- imputed, and that's that's one of those things that scared the crap out of me. I'm like, oh my god, if I lose my job, I—I well, I don't want to say numbers, but we'll just say round numbers just because the math is easy. We'll say a hundred thousand, and because I was working like a dog, and let's say, you know, I mean, whatever, I'm just, I can't do that anymore. Or because of the stress, I lower it down. But I hear so many stories that that the courts say, tough, you know, you made 100, you're going to continue to make 100. And I don't care that you now are only making 50, or you're on unemployment or whatever, we're just going to tack it on to the end. How successful could I, you know, could can you be in those situations to get get that adjusted?
1: It's a pretty narrow area, and you have to be very careful uh, with uh, what uh, doing things that would reduce you down below uh, full time. Uh, So in California, so you'd have to check your jurisdiction uh, for other people. In California, you're not forced to work more than 40 hours a week unless your industry works more than 40 hours a week. So. 40 hours a week in law would be part time, uh, but uh, <laughs> that's the way it is. Uh, but, but uh, so if you were working three jobs, but that means that you can't see the children. Uh, so you want to go back to just your primary job, plus maybe one side gig. That is something that is uh, when sold properly, always acceptable in California, Um as long as your industry is not something where suddenly you're hurting your ability to, to maintain your job.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. So like if you were in the film business or something, I'm just pulling some or, you know, and the expectation is, is when you're on, you're on. And when you're off, you're off. And you know, you, you couldn't do that. So, but I guess the main thing, what you're saying on that is you have to be really careful how it comes across. Right. Because if, if, if I was your client and I came into you and I said, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. I quit my high paying job and now I'm working as a barista in Starbucks. And I went from a hundred thousand to 24,000. Um, you'd probably look looking at me like, Oh my God, you did what? <laughs> yeah. Now.
1: Yeah. The, uh, you cannot do that sort of thing. Uh, there's specific
0: criteria. Uh, it's
1: in- well, yes. Uh, yeah. Earning capacity and, and I did a little video on earning capacity, as a matter of fact, recently. You, can't, uh, you cannot go from something you're fully trained at to uh, sipping Mai Tais on the beach in Hawaii and call it uh, a day. You must uh, continue with your responsibility to support your children. That also works in reverse. Once you've got 50% of the time, There isn't a reason for the other spouse to sit home and eat bonbons either. Uh, Not that people usually do that, but that's what we say. Uh, So you actually, when you free up time for them, give uh, them more of an opportunity to, and perhaps they need training, uh, but at any rate to contribute more financially to the other side. I know that wasn't our topic.
0: No, but, but I uh, I actually, and I, I want to have a follow on on that too, if you don't mind is no problem is I know I, I had a conversation with the department of child support services when my second child fell off. And one of the things that they said, cause I'm a, I'm, I'm a sarcastic person and I like to joke around and, Make people laugh, and I and that's kind of what I was doing with the with the person on the phone. And they were, I mean, it was a it was a good conversation. And I made a comment about uh, um, asking about when the you know how the process with the the, the next child dropping off. And uh, I mentioned, I jokingly said, "Yeah, you know, I've been paying for her. You know, she doesn't work or anything." And the person was like, "Well, she needs to get a job." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know, right?" And she's like, "No." She needs to get a job. We'll impute her wages. You know, just say the word and we'll we'll you know we'll start that process. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And mm-hmm. is that is and I didn't, I didn't do it, right? I mean, because I've been burned by the system. I swear to God, sometimes it felt like the law says this is the way it is, and then you flip it around. But you know, see page two, and it was a picture of me, and it said, if if it's this guy, don't do it. <laughs> so, but is that is it, I mean. Is that true? I mean, would I have been able to impute her wages and uh, lower support and stuff? Because I was still paying... At 50-50 custody, I was still paying her. I mean, I was paying her enough to have a house, a car payment, feed everybody. And, you know, I mean, she was basically retired on me until that child dropped off.
1: Well, you were... (laughs) It
0: depends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, it does... It does depend. And if it was a long term marriage, um, Which over it was. 10 years in California, okay. So there's a certain level of support uh, for spousal support in this state um, that goes on. And then uh, there's there are, we have Gavron warnings. We have lots of things that make people go back to work. But in California and in most states, both parents are responsible to support the child. Now, that isn't something that the state government does because they care about kids. It's because they want people off of welfare. So right. it is, yeah, but so it's a little bit more cold-blooded than uh, than the way it sounds. But nonetheless, uh, both sides must support. And so the formerly non-supporting parent needs to step up and however don't expect the court to just like in Dwayne's situation don't expect the court to do that for you without asking so back to win forwards question if I might how do I lay it out yeah yeah Uh, I always put if I'm going if it's an initial um we call them requests for orders but it might be um in order to show cause or emotion, whatever you call it in your jurisdiction. But in our initial requests, if it's for custody and support, that's exactly how you should put it. Don't get cold-blooded and put money on top and then the kids second, because then you'll get, if you do have a toxic ex, they'll say, see, they only care about the money. So this is sort of a mind game and I just put the kids first. That, just saying that that's what I think helps you. But in a separate section, then you start talking about the money. And if you have to reduce hours, fine. Most people don't do that right at the beginning because right. you, can't, you can't go to your you know your employers and say okay, I'm going I quit. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, you do say. Uh, You give your reasoning why 50% is better for the children and therefore why uh, you should be working uh, only the amount of hours. It has to be full-time if you've always worked full-time, but only the amount of hours that helps you be with the kids more. And the fact that your ex is trained in a certain skill or would need some brush-up skills, all of that can go within the 10 pages Um, as long as you're organized, and as long as you're concise, and as long as you add the exhibits.
0: Well, I think we and you make a great point there, because I mean, and and I think even having the idea of a limit, then you, you have to be more focused and have hard hitting points. You can't be all flowery and take everyone on a big long journey. You just need to be really focused on this is the issue, here are the facts and just nail it. I mean, and I think that's I think that's great advice because, I mean, even if you're representing yourself, I mean, you need to understand this stuff so that you don't, ho- I mean, because if I, if I went, if I didn't know that and I put in a 75 page document, you know, the, 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 the Dwayne memoirs, nobody's going to read it. You know, I mean, it right. needs to be something to where the court, I'm assuming that the judge or whoever I'm just, let me ask you this. Does the judges actually read this or do they have people read it for them? Or is that a bad Hopefully. question? Should I not ask that? No. <laughs>
1: no, you should ask it because it's uh, it affects your strategy. Absolutely. Um, you can take three weeks to write something. And it, on a busy day when the judge has maybe 20 to 25 cases, they're going to spend 10 minutes reading each one. So all of your nuances are lost. And so you really have to get to the point. So when I say add... Um, maybe a paragraph on something that happens, and then maybe a little quote, and then it says see exhibit in my jurisdiction, see exhibit A, or one or two, uh, whatever it works. But at any rate, they may not actually get to your exhibits, but the exhibits are there to support that quote so that you shift the burden back to the other side. Uh, so my point being that if the judge is only going to take 10 minutes to read all of this careful material, think about even page layout. So have I use subheadings so that if the judge wants to know about your involvement, it's child involvement. Next one, um, the judge wants to know about why you should have... Uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, then you say, then you make a subheading of that. So if all the court has time to do is look at your subheadings, then that's what they do. And then if they want to read a little bit more, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. something's uh, gotten um, you've you've hit a chord in their minds. They'll read that section and maybe gloss over the rest. So, It's not like a novel. They're not reading it from beginning to end and enjoying it. They're trying to get to the point so they can see why your case is different than the guy before you and the gal after you.
0: So let me ask you this, because I I think that that makes I love that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But if I have if a person has concerns with the other spouse or the other parent, how would you document that? Right. I mean, I would I would I even would you recommend that I even bring up anything that I'm I mean, because here's the problem. I think about it. It's like, for the most part, there's nothing too egregious in my situation. I mean, yes, I think that my ex has some some serious problems and I think they're causing issues with the kids, but they're so nuanced that it's not significant. You know, I mean, I remember you used I would talk to my kids therapist And they would say, well, you're, you know, you guys are both good parents. And I'm like, well, what do you consider a good parent? And it's like, well, you know, your ex isn't putting cigarettes out on the children. And I'm like, okay, well, then she's mother of the year. But, but I mean, the reality is, is if she was doing that, then it would make sense to put that in because that's a, that's a serious issue. But would I have been better served? And I don't think in in response, I think I did throw some spears over at her way. Should I have just, would would I have been better off just basically focusing entirely on me and the kids and not anything to do with the eggs. Would that have been a better strategy?
1: Not necessarily. Uh, if communications are a problem, I usually have a section uh, about poor communication poor excuse me, poor <laughs> communication, right? Because, uh, it, just because you have poor communications doesn't mean that you shouldn't be a 50, 50 parent. So I would, I would front that. As I've said, front the, the bad things. I think it's important to front things like communications. I think if there are lies and misstatements uh, and you're the responding party, I definitely have a section for that to show. I don't usually use the word lie because that's considered a personal attack, which in California we don't we're not supposed to do. Okay. So I would say that it's, uh, these are all nuances. I'm sorry. I get no. a little nerdy at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, nonetheless, I think um, in California, credibility is another one. Always, always important that uh, when somebody is misstating uh, that they are specifically misstating to the court, in other words, lying to the court. If you have direct proof of that, it is um, really important, actually, to have to devote a little section to that. So you have kids, how great the kids are up on top. Maybe then you get to the credibility issues. Sometimes I put those after support. You know, each mm-hmm. case is a little different. But if if it's going to be where one side is attacking the other, um, there's an old maxim in law that says that if you do not respond to an attack that you are um, accepting it as true. So you don't so that- you definitely don't want to ignore it. You definitely want to go there. You just don't want to put your entire 10 pages devoted to about what a, a jerk she is Ryan. or he is um, because then it looks like more like you may be the one with the personality disorder.
0: Exactly. I love that point. So let me ask you this, because I I often tell people I have a technique that I call hybrid no contact. And uh, the whole premise behind it is, is whenever you get the email from your ex, uh, that the, you know, the seven page email that's that outlines why you're such a scumbag and a horrible person and why, you know, you're the the worst parent ever for little Timmy, uh, that you ignore everything in that, all the accusations, all the hate, all the discontent, you find whatever the question was. So like in that seven-page document, if it was, you know, when is little Timmy's soccer practice, that's what you would answer. You would say, you know, dear pumpkin, comma, Timmy's soccer practice is on Tuesday at three o'clock at field seven, you know, Dwayne, and to ignore everything else. I, and some people get really freaked out thinking, well, if I don't respond to everything, then everyone's going to believe it. Now, in those correspondence, I'm okay, Right.
1: Uh, what you're doing is actually great. There's an okay. author, and he's also a lawyer, and, a, and he also is a shrink. He's, he's like Billy Eddy, right? Friend, Bill Eddy. Yeah. And he writes um, a series of books. He's got a new one out, but it's all on this biff uh, brief, informative, friendly, and factual. And he actually, I recommend those books, frankly, to my high conflict clients. And some of them. Hate having to read a book because they think they are doing it right, and they respond oh, to the full, they respond to the full seven-page email with an eight-page response. And those cases, um, if you find yourself in that situation, you want to stop. And I really, really would recommend reading uh, one of Bill Eddy's, and there are other authors. And what Dwayne is describing—that's so important is that you can add fuel to that fire or you can just stop the fighting now the interesting thing too and i never let a good deed go unreported in these declarations so if i'm learning parenting skills of a new teenager for example or if i'm learning how to communicate better if i have a section in my declaration that says poor communications and then you could actually give an example of that. This is what we were doing in the past. This is what I'm trying to guide us toward. I've recommended to my ex-spouse that uh, he or she also read this book. I'm reading it. I'm learning a lot about it. And then, and the court thinks, oh, this person has the presence of mind to realize that you don't keep pounding yourself in the head, it doesn't get any better. So you end up. I put the books in uh, the parenting books or the uh, or the communications books right into my declaration. It shows that you're growing in this in this um, life that you're going through.
0: I had a, a, a caller the other day who who called in and was being accused of uh, all kinds of stuff, you know, drugs and whatever, and proactively, they went and got drug tested um, and, you know, and then went and did some classes and everything. And I'm like, dude, you're spot on. And it's so easy for people to get angry and say, well, I shouldn't have to do that. That's not true. But you got to really understand the fight you're in and be strategic, right? Yeah, you may, you may be morally right, but if you don't do the right things, you're not, you're not presenting your best foot forward, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. It's not that, uh, sure, it chafes a little bit that you're having to prove that you're the good person, but, or that both of you are good people. Uh, However, remembering that you broke up for a reason and distrust is part of that. Um, getting Trust is earned. And I have to say that a lot to people because once trust is broken, and I don't, just mean with an affair, but whatever broke the relationship up. And yours was a marriage, but over fifty percent of the uh relationships in California are non-marital and sometimes they're relatively oh, wow. short and people Yeah, it's uh so sometimes those short relationships have the most blow ups because they really haven't learned what the other person's like at breakfast the next morning very well. <laughs> but at any But at any rate, what you're looking for is trying to convince a judge. So if you have to say, she has persistently said that I am a drug addict or an alcoholic. So I am bringing you proof that I am not that. Now, if this were criminal court, it is. Not So the defendant doesn't get up on the stand usually, almost never. But if the lawyer for that defendant can show, and it's in law school, they called it some other dude did it. So if you can prove that somebody else was there and did the crime, th- that proves that you didn't do it. So now back to family law, if you're having to prove a few things, for the benefit of getting your children, and since this is a custody program and not a support program, um, then just do it and do it with joy. It's all, I mean, you either resent it so badly you don't defend yourself properly or you do it uh, in a way that uh, uh, helps your case and keeps the cost down really because uh, the cost of that fellow's um, what was it, drugs or alcohol test and uh, training was a lot cheaper than lawyers. And uh, sometimes the lawyers don't always say what you want them to say because they don't uh, uh, totally agree with your case. It's nice when you're in lockstep, which means you need to train your lawyer on what the facts are. But yes, doing the low cost but absolutely important steps to um, uh, keep you out of Dwayne. You said that you you had a custody evaluation. I've heard you talk about it before yeah. on your show. Yeah. Those things are hugely expensive. Yes.
0: And, and mine was and, cheap <laughs> compared to what it, they normally cost. And it was still like some five of, or $8,000. It was a lot of money.
1: Yeah. They're, they're really expensive and they can be much more. And if you've already proven that you're not a drug addict, for example, then you don't end up having to pay some professional to prove that you're not a drug addict. Uh, so I, uh, I love those self-help, not self-help in calling the person names or any of that, but pr- uh, proving your side of the case is always a good idea. And, and, and frankly, you know, that half asleep judge that's drinking coffee and reading through 25 of these either at night before he goes home or, or in the morning uh, before court, uh, something like that really stands out.
0: Oh, that's uh, you know, it's amazing. Cause this is, it's so nuanced. And one of the things I, we didn't mention, but I just want to throw out there. I think this is why it's important to have a local attorney who understands, cause I was going to ask you this. I would imagine that if you know that we have Judge Smith and you've you've been in front of Judge Smith, you know, 17 times in the last year and you know what they're looking for, that document that we're going to craft is going to be crafted for him. And maybe, you know, Judge Jane or whatever, who completely has a different priority, it would be crafted different for that person. Am I right on that?
1: I think so. I it weirdly the judges do change um so sometimes you have to craft them for the every judge and not just for a specific judge but i will say that although a lot of us lawyers have a a fairly healthy uh, self-regard as in there's a lot of narcissists who are (laughs) lawyers too and judges um but nonetheless there usually in family law is not going to be someone that you should hire that's 200 miles away that's going to be better than a good, experienced local lawyer who you don't have to pay to drive down the freeway, who knows the judges, and who knows the other professionals in your area so that if there are going to be side deals or uh, settlement conferences, that they already know one another. So yes, I agree with that 100%, Dwayne, that well, you shouldn't get the pro from Dover that lives three counties away.
0: I did that. Uh, and what I noticed with the, my initial attorney, they were super expensive because it was in a more expensive area. And the lo- my ex's attorney wouldn't even, would not answer the phone calls, wouldn't answer emails, completely ignored him. And nothing was happening. I mean, it was just like, we were completely in a stalemate He ultimately got sick. I picked somebody local in, you know, like three blocks away from the other attorney. And it was like night and day. It's like, you know, then they would, then the paralegals would communicate. I mean, the, the, the status con or not, uh, the, the, the conference or whatever, when we all met, I can't remember what they called it, but uh, that all happened. And I mean, things started to break free. And I mean, it was a little annoying because I'm like, oh my God, this is judicial theater. I mean, this is like, you know, oh, you know, hands waving and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it, things at least started moving. And one thing I noticed and I did like was that when I was talking to the local attorney, he was like, okay, in your area, there are three judges. Typically you get this one, you know, we don't want this one, you know, I mean, and, and I know part of it was just to try to make me feel better, but the fact that they knew who we were dealing with and what the different judges, you know, liked and, and how they normally ruled was, uh, was helpful. I know we're starting to run out of time and I just, if you wanted to add something on that, that's fine. But we had one other topic that I really wanted that you wanted to hit. Um, did you have anything you want to say when I just said on that or should we move on?
1: No, you're right. Move on.
0: All right. Modification of existing. You wanted to mention that. And I know that that's something that we talked about before. So there's a lot of misnomers on when can I do a modification to modify custody or to try to seek some type of change? Because I've noticed a lot of times people will have a, 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 a an arrangement or something they agree to. Then they're like, oh, crap, this sucks. I want to change it. And they get knocked down because they don't they don't ask the question, right? So how, how do modifications work in, in a custody order or support order and all that stuff?
1: So modifications have to be in pretty much all jurisdictions because of judicial economy. They don't want to start the case all over from scratch again. So when you're modifying an existing order, it has to be with a material change of circumstances. Some jurisdictions are significant change of circumstances, which is the same. So what you have to prove is that you, uh, something has changed other than just your longing for the children. So you would have to show that you have more time, that you've changed jobs, that, you, that the children are now older and have different needs. Little Timmy was in baseball before and now he's decided he wants to be in football and you're particularly good at that sport, those sorts of things. You you usually can find a change in custody, but if you just go in and say, I deserve more time, you're going to lose because you always deserved more time in support and I and we're running out of time that's a bigger topic but uh yes you you do have to prove a change and uh oh uh Dwayne and also if you're going to have a temporary order you want to build right into your orders if you can that something will be a step-up plan so that you'll get more time later after something is proven or some event happens uh, that's also uh, a way to get more time without having to go back to court.
0: I've I've actually had a few people who said they've done that, where they've had a, a time schedule, and then you know in two months it moves up to an extra day, and then have that written in. I think that's great to have it in there because the last thing you want is to have to because if you're dealing with someone unreasonable, they're not going to agree. They're going to force you to go back to court which is, you know, right. expensive. I mean, I guess if you have tons of money, might as well. <laughs> I'd rather not do that no, though.
1: I, I think, um, especially life or lawyers, like, like I am, you, we want to work on something that actually matters. So just going back for a couple more hours, uh, would, f- I don't think lawyers really want to be there. So if you can build it into your uh, previous orders, that something's going to increase. I think that that's great.
0: Yeah. You know, it's the so frustrating part about this is stuff like, like this discussion, you know, people start this process out without knowing. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know anything. Right. I, I, I completely, I was like, I mean, never had looked I mean, Who, who looks into family law issues if you're not, you know, in the middle of a divorce and you're so behind the power curve. Cause you just don't understand. You don't understand the process. And it's so easy to 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 mess up your own argument by saying it the wrong way or just, you know, I mean, that's uh, I know I'm just kind of talking in circles, but it's just uh, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I think it's really important. And it's amazing that an hour just flies by. I mean, we we barely hit the three topics we really wanted to hit uh, before we wrap up. Is there anything you want to finish off with?
1: I want to say that people who uh, control their emotions, we talked about that, uh, it's it's very helpful to stick to the facts. You have to find the facts and then present them. And then you have to organize yourself so that the judge will actually read your facts. And and uh, that's enough for today. I'd love to come back sometime if people got any value out of this, Dwayne.
0: Oh, I, looking at the comments, I think everyone has. And and before I go, I'm just going to pull up. If you guys want to find out more about Christine, and uh, here you and I'll have links in the show notes and the video description. Uh, she has, I mean, they have a YouTube page where she's making videos on different topics. So I would encourage you to check that out. And uh, the their law firm. Uh, I mean, I'm, she is a practicing attorney, but I, I just want to say that I appreciate that uh, you know you're going the YouTube route and you're trying to provide education that's accessible, obviously to pr- other professionals, but I mean it's out there for anyone. I mean, so if somebody is in the midst of this and they want to hear somebody who has a you know decades of experience, uh, your YouTube channel is great for that. So um, I would my computer's locking up here. I'd encourage people to check that out. And then on that, uh, everybody, I appreciate you hanging out with me this morning. Let's do the outro. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, A lot of good information. It's amazing how fast an hour goes. And the last thing I do want to say is thank you so much for the channel members who help keep this going. Keep the lights on. Uh, I really appreciate it. It, uh, it. It helps in ways you guys just don't understand. So thank you so much on that. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Keep your uh, your focus on the kids and uh, work on your documentation. And we'll see you back here tomorrow.